Amen. 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 Good morning, Lake Church. Hallelujah. Can we lift our hands and begin to worship the Lord? Hallelujah. Just begin to worship God. Hallelujah. I just sense the Spirit so strong here to minister to us. Hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands up. Say, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Do you hear it? Do you hear it? Do you hear the footsteps of my sons and daughters? Do you hear the footsteps of the prodigals returning home, saith the Lord? Sons and daughters that have went their own way to fulfill their own dreams and desires, I shall call back to my fold, saith the Lord, and they will begin to do my will and my desire and have dreams from me, saith the Lord, for you shall see it. For they shall fill the seats and fill the houses. Those that have walked away have turned their back on their destiny and purpose. They shall return with great power. They shall return with the voice of praise. They shall return with the power of my spirit, saith the Lord. For you shall see them and they shall show up and they'll say, Mom, I went so far, but I'm glad to be back home. Dad, I love you. I was wrong. They will say that not only to you physically, but they'll say that to me as they renew their hearts to me and begin to cry out for my presence and my power. They will begin to be raised up as a dynamic generation in this last time, in this last day, saith the Lord, and they will go forth and reach the lost. And the dying, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. How many, how many have blessed? Got some prodigals out there. Got some prodigals out there. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we just lift them up right now in the name of Jesus. Some of them are watching right now. Some of them are watching right now. God's calling you home. Stop playing games. Stop being lazy towards the things of God, lackadaisical, and realize there's a greater purpose and a greater plan than making money. There's a greater purpose and a greater plan than you fulfilling your dreams and desires. God has things that are far abundant than anything that you can believe for or think in the natural. Come home. Come home. Come home. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Oh, if you know what some have went through. Oh, if you knew what some families that raised their kids in church have went through. Their kids blame you. Say that they, that you forced them to come to church. Come on now. Hello. We're going to, we're going to see what the world has to offer. We're going to try to, you know, embrace and see what different ways are out there. But I'm here to tell you the voice of the Lord is here. The seeds that you sowed in their hearts are going to come to fruition. They are going to rise up to be a dynamic generation. 
And they're going to come to themselves, just like the prodigal son did. They're going to get tired of mucking around in the pig slop, eating the corn husks. And they're going to come back to the Father's house. Amen? And dare say, even if we don't see it physically, the Father will see it. And we will rejoice in that. Amen? Many of you are troubled in your spirit about your kids and where they're going and where they're headed. But I sense in my spirit right now that the Lord wants to encourage you that you were just simply a steward of these children. He's the Father. And He loves them more than you could ever love them. And I know that you think that you love them more than anybody, but God loves them more. I'm going to say that again. God loves them more. He brought them in. He redeemed them through Jesus. He put them in your family to be raised up in a church like this and churches all over. And he has sown the seed. And just like Moses on the backside of the desert, a burning bush is going to pop up in their life. And they're not going to live their Christian life through you. They're going to have a personal one-on-one, intimate relationship with God that's going to surpass. I said that's going to surpass. I said it's going to surpass what you went through. Hallelujah. Because they're the Omega generation. I said they're the Omega generation. They're the generation of the end. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. So be comforted and be of good cheer, for God's on the case. (laughs) Oh, there's been angels in bars last night. (laughs) Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, my goodness. There were angels at the casino last night. There were angels at the dark side of town protecting your kids, watching over your kids, making sure that drug dealer couldn't find his way to your kids. Making sure. Hallelujah. Oh, I wish I could get somebody to praise the Lord in this house. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Glory Glory to God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Those angels are protecting your kids from relationships that aren't good. Hello. They still got the witness. They may be dull, but they got the witness. Holy Ghost didn't leave them. Let me tell you that. The Holy Ghost didn't leave them. 
Jesus said, your ears, you have stopped. See, they do it on their own. It ain't because God left and stopped talking. Did you know that God continued to talk to Cain even after he killed his brother? He said, I'll never, never leave you. I won't forsake you. There are kids that were raised up in thunder kids. That's what we used to call it, thunder kids. That are out there doing their own mess in their own way right now. But God's calling them back. There's kids that have been in Area 51. And the minute they graduated, they shot out like a shot. Went out to do their own thing their own way. No longer under the restrictions of mom and dad. But I'm here to tell you by the word of the Lord, God is bringing them back. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And there are young people that are in relationships, and, you, and, and I, Mama, I know you've been praying over them. I know you've been interceding, praying in the Spirit over their lives. Know this, that your prayers avail much. They make dynamic power that is working in their lives. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. It's drawing them home like a tractor pull. It's drawing them home like a tractor beam. They're being led back to houses and homes. Coming home with an attitude of repentance, an attitude of humility, knowing that God was with them all the time and that you spoke life and truth to them, even when it hurt them, even when it made them mad. But they know in a world of deception, in a world of absolute chaos, they're being drawn back. They're being drawn back to the truth. They're being drawn back to the light. They're being drawn back to the life. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Hallelujah. I just get sense this in my spirit. You're going to receive relationships that will seem almost like it has been raised from the dead. Some of you looked at your kids and say, is this kid even mine? Hello. Come on now. Is this kid even mine? Their attitude's all wrong. They're negative and complaining and being a victim. I didn't raise them that way. But I'm telling you what, victimization is a spirit of this age. And a lot of young people have found themselves in the grips of it. But the Lord is going to break the chains of victimization off of our children. He's going to realize that they are overcomers, not victims. 
They're going to remember their time in children's church. They're going to remember their time in youth group. They're going to remember their time at camp. They're going to remember their time. God's going to call them back. God's going to call them back. God's going to call them back. I just sense somebody's going to get a phone call this week. It's going to be some wild stuff. In fact, I'm going to open this up for test testimony. Testimony. When you get a prodigal home, I want you to I want you to let us know, and I want you to tell us the story. Because I sense in my spirit right now that some of you are going to get calls in the next few days, in the next few weeks. And you go say, Mama, I don't know what's happening to me. Some of you are going to say, Mama, I saw an angel. Some of you are going to say, Mama, I saw Jesus. Some of it's going to be circumstances that are um, dangerous, and they're going to be spared, and it's going to speak to their lives. I'm speaking by the word of the Lord here today. And they're going to see the protecting hand of the Lord. It's going to draw them. Some of them are going to face symptoms and sickness in their body. And they're going to call out to the Lord. And the Lord's going to miraculously move in their life. It's going to draw them back. They're going to, and I I sense this so strong right now. The Lord is going to reveal the demonic in their relationships. They're going to see what's behind the mask. Even those that call themselves Christians, saith the Lord, are wearing a mask of pretense and of deception and are leading my children astray into things that are not of me, saith the Lord. But I will break the disguise. I will reveal the innermost parts and they shall see the deception for what it is, saith the Lord. For they are my children, and I will bring them back, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You got to grab a hold of that right now. You got to grab a hold of that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Can we give God praise in this house? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Oh, you you just think they're they're you just think that they're they have no pulse when it comes to the things of God. But honey, they're gonna outrun you. They're gonna outpace you. They're going to outdo you. And you better be ready for it. Hello. Don't be like some people that when their kids come back to the Lord, you say, he reads his Bible too much. He prays too much. He don't need to be at that church all the time. You don't need to be like that. You need to be running your race. But I'm here to tell you they're going to outpace you. They're going to outdo you. 
And you ought to be happy about it. Amen? You ought to be happy about it. When you run a relay, you don't pass the baton and then go back to where you started. They need to go forward where they, where you end. Amen? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Victorious Jesus. Victorious Jesus. It's going to be the greatest exodus since the exodus. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Glory to God. The Lord encourages our hearts, strengthens. Prophetic utterances come so that we can be edified and built up, comforted. We need that in the church today. There's people that say, well, we don't need the spiritual gifts, you know, in the church today. Who says? Because the Bible doesn't say that. We actually need it. If Jesus needs the Holy Spirit, you need the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come on now. Praise God. Hallelujah. So we're, well, we're going to shift gears. Pop it down. Pop the clutch. Pop it down a little bit. Downshift. Okay? Because I've got to get through this board. Okay. So we've been talking about imager and that mankind was made as an imager of God. And how that the enemy has sought to create man in his image. And that's the image of the beast. And so we've been going over from the fall of Lucifer in the first earth age to now we're in the second earth age, which is the reinstituting of the earth from a catastrophic, chaotic event. And now the reestablishment of man as the primary ruler over the earth. And how that the once ruler over the earth wants to again usurp authority through Adam to gain ascendancy on the earth again. And that's what he desires to do and has desired to do. But I'm here to tell you, just as my shirt says, Jesus victorious. Jesus rendered, destroyed, annihilated, and stripped Satan from all of his authority And now the redeemed of God walk in that authority. We're not trying to get dominion. We have dominion in Christ. We're not trying to get authority. We have authority in Christ Jesus. And just as Dana said, when it's time that you say enough is enough... And you start opening your mouth and start declaring over your family that we're not going to have it this way, devil. You're not going to take my child. You're not going to take my finances. You're not going to take my marriage. And you start exercising your authority in the name of Jesus. Hello. 
You have that ability, and that's what we're talking about, the restoration. So I've got a lot. We're going to go from Genesis to maps. No, I'm just kidding. But we're going to start at Genesis chapter 6. And like I said, if this is strange for you, we have a saying around here, if it's weird, it's important. I stopped long ago trying to protect you from your Bible. The, the Bible is the Word of God. It is inerrant. Amen? It's infallible. And it is the truth. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, in the 17th chapter, He says, Thy Word is truth. So we know that the Word of God is truth. So one of the things that we've been endeavoring to do is to go back over the history of Genesis, which is found in the third or the first through the eleventh chapters. And this history has been refuted not only in secular areas, but in the church itself, to where the church has undermined the Word of God through what they call higher criticism. And this higher criticism is just basically intellectual knowledge and natural science trying to explain the creation, trying to explain the depravity of man, trying to explain man's condition and his situation. But I'm here to tell you that if the first 11 chapters of the book of Genesis are faulty, are compromised in any way, then John 3.16 is faulty. Our salvation is based on nothing because the Bible has to be true. Amen? And it is true. Amen? It is true. And so we're going to talk about some things that are controversial, that are things that maybe you have not been introduced to or understood at the time. But uh, I'm telling you, I'm taking it from biblical sources, from historical sources, all the sources necessary, and I'm going to say some things that might, you know, irritate you, but that's okay. Amen? I'm here to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comfortable. <clears throat> so I don't care what grandma said. I'm just going to tell you right now. I don't care what grandma said. I don't care what grandpappy said, and I don't care what pastor so-and-so in the back 40 at first church said. I'm going to say what the Bible says. Amen? Okay. Are you sure? All right. I should have you sign a disclaimer. All right. Genesis 6, verse number 1. When man began to multiply on the face of the land and daughters were born to them, the sons of God. Everybody say sons of God. That is not the sons of Seth. People will say, well, that's the sons of Seth, and they give you the Sethite view of this situation that we're about to unfold and unpack right now. But if you go back to chapter 5, that's not on my thing there, so don't move it around. Okay, just keep it on that, that uh, scripture there. Notice what it says in verse 1 of chapter 5. It says, this is the book of the generations of Adam. When God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. So we see right there that Adam was a direct creation of God. 
And in fact, if you look at the first chapter of the book of Matthew, I believe it's the first chapter of the book of, or the, or the um, third chapter or fourth chapter of the book of Luke, where we have the genealogy of Jesus. If you'll go down to the bottom of that genealogy, and I believe it's Luke, it says Adam was a son of God. Okay? Now, you can only be a son of God if you're a direct creation, because Adam was directly created by God. Seth was not a son of God. Now, notice, it says it right, right here. It says right here. It says, male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and he named them man, or Adam. And when they were created, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son, notice this phrase, in his own likeness. Okay? So here we have procreation. Now, Adam didn't procreate until after he became a rebel. So that sonship did not transfer over to his line, his genetic line. He was known as a son of Adam. There's a difference. Adam was a son of God. He fell from that position into a depraved position, into a rebellious position. He fostered and brought forth seed, and they became sons of Adam. So when it refers to the sons of God here, we have to use the Scripture to interpret Scripture. And every time the word sons of God is used in the Old Testament, it is in reference to angelic beings. Are Elohim. Okay? Now, in the New Testament, you and I who are born again are called sons and daughters of God. Why is that? What happened? What changed? Jesus' death. Jesus' burial. Jesus' resurrection. Jesus' ascension at the right hand of God the Father and the calling down of the Holy Ghost. And when the Holy Ghost came within us, we became a direct creation called a new creation. God lives and dwells and abides in us through the seed of the Word of God. We're transformed into sons and daughters of God. And as you look at the third chapter of 1 John, it says, Now we are the sons of God. Amen? We're not waiting till heaven. Now. It's a positional truth that has to be worked out practically. Positionally, it's just like your driver's license. Positionally... By the state of Oklahoma, they say you are safe to drive. Practically, not so much. So you have a positional truth that you are a son of God. But practically, you might not be acting like one. Practically, you might not be experiencing it. That's the reason why we have to renew our mind to release what's on the inside to where it begins to manifest in fruit on the outside. Are you with me today? So when we look at the sons of God, we're talking about angels. Now here's where we get into confusion. Because we use the word angels to mean fat babies with wings. That's where most people get... Or other things with wings. We have this mistaken notion... 
that all God has is angels. The word angel is not a title, it's a function. It just simply means messenger. Guess what? You're a messenger. You are an angel. Come on now. We're messengers of God. That just means they are spirits in God's dimension. That's all it means. That they are of a celestial being where we are in a terrestrial form. However, they are just as much active in the kingdom of God as you are today. And they are enforcing and bringing forth God's agenda in the earth in the unseen realm. See, you have help from the sanctuary. God knew you needed some help. And so he sent you invisible helpers. I, I, wish we, I, I wish I could pray a prayer today that you would open your eyes and you would see the myriad of angels that are in this room just simply because you're here. And guess what? They don't stay here. They leave you when you go to Phelps. When you try to choke that food down in some of these restaurants. When you try to do what you do, they go home with you. They go to work with you. They protect you. They speak messages to you. They arrange divine connections for you. They get you in contact with people. Come on now. They help you in situations. They're angels. They're messengers. Amen? Hallelujah. And so it says that when the sons of God saw that the daughters of man, that's the word daughters of Adam, okay, were attractive. The word there means pleasant, and we tied it into Genesis chapter 4 where we are introduced to one of Lamech's daughters, Nama, whose name means pleasant. So there's a Hebrew play on words here that is directly connecting these sons of God to the line of Cain. The line of Cain was in rebellion to God. The line of Seth were known as the Melchizedek priesthood. Okay? Who was the first Melchizedekian priest? Adam. Who was the second one? Seth. And in fact, if you study the scripture, Melchizedek is not a person. It's a title. It's a priesthood. It's a king of righteousness. There's ten of them in the scriptures. The last one that we see is Noah. But it's Jesus who resurrected that priesthood. And now all that follow him are a part of the Melchizedekian priesthood. Amen? It's superior than the Levitical priesthood. Amen? So a portion of the line went to Seth, and a genealogy went to Cain. And these angels saw that the weak link was not in the Sethite line. It was going to be in the Cain line. And if they could get the Cain line, they'll eventually get the Sethite line. That's how the devil always works. Okay? So if he can get the world to get so depraved, eventually it will seep in 
to the church. Come on now. Eventually it will seep in to the good line. Because he was successful. Because only eight people out of a population of some say millions, perhaps even billions, were saved and restored because they weren't corrupted. Come on now. You all right? See, we've got this flannel graph Christianity. We don't see these stories for what they are. These are real gritty stories. I'm glad he doesn't hide anything. Amen? But see, this is, you know, you've only got maybe six verses here about this instance. And the reason why is not because God doesn't necessarily want to highlight and talk about it. It's kind of like World War II to us. We know it's history. So therefore, there's not a lot of commentary that we need about it because we can always refer back, you know, to the generations preceding us and also to the information that's there in our history books. Well, these people, when Moses brings this down, they knew this stuff. God was setting the record straight. He was saying, you heard this. But this is what happened. Because they had lived 2,000 years. From the time of the fall of Adam till the time that Moses got the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai and brought down the book of Genesis. They had lived a breath of years of almost 2,000 years. So it was just accepted. And they were cultivated in Egypt, which is the center of a cult Worship. So they were schooled in all the ways of the indoctrination of the Egyptians, so they understood these stories. These stories have been there in every civilization, there are two stories that are prevalent a worldwide flood and gods coming down and mating with women and creating demigods. Every culture, every single one of them. To our Mayans down south, to the American Indians that roamed our lands, there's story after story of a worldwide flood and giants. Now you might think that that's all fairy tales, and that's just silly to think about that. Some 4th century theologians thought the same thing. And they sought to eradicate the supernatural worldview from the Bible. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, we are coming in a day where the people of God are taking the Word of God literally, believing the Scriptures for what they say, and knowing that our God is a supernatural God, not just morality police. It's time to walk in the power of God. Now notice, they were attractive. They were pleasant. They began to barter with these line of Cain. And we saw last week in the fourth chapter how that the three sons of Cain began to operate in elevated technologies for the time. We began to see that they were in agriculture. They learned some things about, you know, um, 
you know, taking care of cattle and, and roaming, you know, becoming herdsmen. We saw that uh, there was one that was anointed in the arena of music. And then metallurgy in the creation of weapons, tools, swords, and whatnot. Okay? Now, this coincides with a, uh, um, a non-biblical book known as First Enoch. How many have ever heard about First Enoch? Okay. All right. Now, First Enoch, I'm going to read from that, and we'll see how it compares. Now, I have to specify this because some people will have trouble with this. I do not consider First Enoch to be canon, nor do I believe that it is inspired just like the 66 books that you hold in your hand. But it is commentary that was not only used by the people of the first century church, but Jesus referred to it, Jude refers to it, and First Peter, or Second Peter, refers to it as well. So it was obviously in the cultural mainstream. They used it as a means of understanding what went on in Genesis 6. So I'm going to read what an Enoch 6.1 says. It says, And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied, that in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of the heaven, saw and lusted after them, and said to one another, Come, let us choose us wives from among the children of men, and begat us children. And Semyaza, who was the leader, said unto them, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed. And I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. Now notice this. They were aware that they were about to cross the line. And they did this on the mountain, you see, of Hermon to the north of Israel. And this was the highest mountain in, in, in Israel. It's, it's, it's up there at the top, the north end, in the region of Bashan. And they came out, 200 watcher angels came down, and they made a pact together, because Hermon means the mountain of the oath. So they swore an oath together for all of them to do this. Now, how did they do this? We'll explain in just a moment, okay? All right, so hold on. Semyaza was the leader. Semyaza is attached to Saturn, okay, the god Saturn. He's attached to Saturn when you break down the etymology. So when we start talking about these men of renown, these mighty men, we're talking about the fallen angels. We're talking about these Elohim that came down and began to taint and contaminate the human race. Okay? So we'll find the the attachments here. But let's listen to what it has to say here. And they all answered him and said, Let us swear an oath and all bind ourselves by mutual implication, not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecation upon it. And they were in all 200 who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. Okay? Now, if you look at the genealogy of... Um, of Seth in chapter 5, and you look at verse number 15, you will see that uh, Jared was basically a fourth generation down. So the, the time span from 
the time the angels made the pact in the days of Jared, which was basically the father of Enoch, okay, uh, Jared, to the time that uh, the flood happened was 1,296 years. That's a long time. I doubt any of you have experienced 1,296 years. So that was a long, long time. Now, another book, the book of Jubilees, which is also used as a means of studying this situation. It is not canon, nor is it inspired, but it is commentary that is used by rabbis to this day and Christian leaders to this day. It says, It came to pass when the children of men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them, that the angels of God saw them on a certain year of the jubilee, and they were beautiful to look upon. And they took themselves wives of all they chose, and they bare unto them sons, and they were giants. And lawlessness increased on the earth, and all flesh corrupted its way, alike men and cattle and beasts and birds. Now notice that. Because God says in the sixth chapter, notice what it says in verse number 11. It says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. Notice that. Everybody say corrupt. Corrupt. Notice it. it. It's not just referring to sin. It's referring to the fact that there was some kind of corruption that was destroying God's creation. Now, we understand that sin is definitely the foundation for that. But there was also another corruption that was happening in the earth. Now, notice why. Because it doesn't just say that the the human beings were corrupt. Notice it says this. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh from the earth. For the earth is filled with violence through them. And he says, Behold, I will destroy them from off the earth. And he goes on and he says, uh, let, me, let me find the scripture that I saw this morning. Uh, verse 7. It says, So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. So obviously something just didn't happen to man. It says right here in the book of Jubilees that they messed with animals. They messed with birds. And that's why we, when we, we look at certain mythologies, whether it's Sumerian, whether it's Egyptian, whether it's Greek, whether it's Roman, we see chimeras. We see animals that don't go together. You see lions with wings and you see all these things. That goes back to this. They began to contaminate and began to totally corrupt all genetics. And it goes on and it says in the book of Giants, which is also a book that's used, the the Essenes used it. It was found in the Dead Sea Scrolls. It says they corrupted plants as well. So they were totally about destroying God's creation. Corrupting it and bringing chaos to it. Are you okay? Okay. You all right? Okay. All right. I have to go by what I'm seeing here. Looking at me like a cow at a new gate. All right. Okay. Now notice this. 
All of them corrupted their ways and their orders. Now notice that. They corrupted their ways and they corrupted their orders. What's going on today? What's happening today? We're seeing a corruption of order. Okay? The first place that was attacked was the family. Boy, you corrupt that order. You corrupt that order. You've got the building block of civilization. You can, you can just destroy civilization as it is by just corrupting the divine order of God. Amen? We're so suspicious of authority. But we need to understand that if we have a problem with some of the authorities in our lives, such as our fathers, our mothers, our pastors, our leaders, you know, policemen, things of that nature, then inevitably we're going to have trouble with authority with God. You understand? I know you don't like that at all. I know it. Because I don't. I don't like being pulled over by a cop. I had one harass me. I didn't much care for it. And man, for years, I had trouble. I had trouble with it. But I got better. Okay, all right. And they began to devour each other. So there was cannibalism. Okay? And lawlessness increased on the earth, and every imagination of the thoughts of all men was thus evil continually. Okay? Are you getting the picture? This is something different. This is something a little bit more intense. We'll just go back to the text, all right? It says, And they took wives all they chose. Then the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh. His day shall be 120 years. I explained that last week. The Nephilim, or as the King James Version says, giants. Okay? Interchangeable. Nephilim doesn't necessarily mean giants all the time. It means hybrid beings. It means beings that were not originally created by God, but were created through the union of angels and human DNA which created all kinds, as we look in other literature, and I can show it to you. Let me see if I can find it here in my, in my notes. But the book of Giants basically declares that they created monsters. And so some of the monsters of antiquity, uh, some of those that we look at in our horror films and things of that nature, there's no way that a man can imagine past anything that's been created. Okay, so you have to understand that there uh, are, you know, various things that we imagine that that are that are real. Okay, all right, understand that. Now, what happened is, is that when God brought the flood, He destroyed the Nephilim. Okay, He destroyed them because they weren't created by God. Their inner soul left their physical bodies and was and roams the earth and there's where demons come from. You understand what I'm saying? They couldn't go to heaven, they couldn't necessarily go God they weren't a part of his creation. 
So they were disembodied spirits, or as Jesus referred to them as unclean spirits. Okay? Unclean spirits are disembodied spirits of the Nephilim. The flood was meant to destroy the Nephilim and to destroy the corruption of the human genome so that Christ could come through the lineage of Seth, who Noah was a descendant of, so the scarlet thread could continue to go until the Messiah would come to redeem humanity. That changes the flood story because here's what modern-day theologians and secularists will tell you, that God just kills people because he just gets fed up with them. And the Bible teaches that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God is not into genocide. And any leader that steps up and says that God has told me to annihilate a certain people group in the world is not of God. God loves people. God wants to save the human race. And the flood was a way to save the posterity of the human race. God loved you enough to preserve a family to bring about the human condition so that he could come and deal with the sin issue in our lives in Christ Jesus, thereby creating a new creation. Come on. Hallelujah. All right, let's, let's continue to read. He said the Nephilim were on the earth in those days, and notice this, and also afterward. Well, how did the Nephilim come? Second incursion. Angels didn't quit doing this stuff, and they're still doing it today. It's just not, it's just not as open as it was then. How many have heard stories about alien abductions? Now, isn't it amazing that alien abductions... When they take them up, they mess with their reproductive organs. Why? Same thing here. See, they don't, you know, they don't show them, you know, visions and things of that nature. They don't take them to planets. They mess around with them. In a sexual way. Now either earth is the universe's Las Vegas. <laughs> or they're doing something nefarious. They did it to create hybrids. The Bible tells us. Oh, you got, you got time for this or... You okay? I tell you what, the enemy just comes against me and says, man, you're, you're getting off the deep end. No, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the Bible. Okay, all right. You, you wanted it. You wanted it. Okay. Okay, all right. 
Let's go, let's go to the book of Daniel. Let's go to the book of Daniel. Let's look at Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2. Now, I can't read all of this for sake of time. But Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he sees this colossal statue in this dream. It has a head of gold. It has a, a, a chest and two top biceps of... Um, you got gold, silver, and then you have the midsection of brass. No, uh, gold, silver, goodness gracious. I, I tell you, I'm tr- bronze, I'm sorry. And then we have feet, or, or legs, and legs of iron. And then you've got feet that have iron mixed with clay. Okay? All right? Now, Basically, what the Holy Spirit is teaching through an angel to Daniel, because Daniel gets the interpretation of this dream. Nebuchadnezzar wouldn't tell anybody the dream. He just told his people, you find it out, you tell me the dream, and then you tell me the interpretation. And if you don't do it, I'm going to kill you. And Daniel was the only one to be able to get that. Now, if you take that colossal statue... And you take it from an upright position and you put it in, you know, a horizontal position. You'll see that it's a timeline. And you'll see that's four kingdoms that are on the earth that are going to dominate Israel. Okay? First is the Babylonian kingdom, symbolized by the gold head, which was Nebuchadnezzar. Then you have the next kingdom, which is the Medo-Persian Empire. That, you know, we have Darius, we have Cyrus, we've got, you know, various uh, other rulers in that time. And Daniel also worked for some of those kings, okay? The next, we've got the Grecian Empire, which is symbolized by Alexander the Great, which begins to show you that in every generation... Satan has to have an antichrist ready. Because he doesn't know when God's going to do what he's going to do. He has to interpret the times and seasons for himself. He doesn't have that knowledge. That's the reason why Jesus said it's not for you to know the times and the seasons, which the Father has reserved unto his own power. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost. He said, he said be about occupying till I come. Take ground. Take territory. Don't worry about the times and seasons. Because there's things that even Jesus said that he didn't know. And people will say, well, how can Jesus not know that because he's God? Jesus subordinated himself to the Father. Get it through your thick skull. He subordinates himself to the Father, giving honor to God and trusting God. Even in his exalted state today, he is still subordinated to the Father. Okay? The reason why the times and seasons aren't revealed is because the enemy can't tell when something's going to happen. And so he has to have a potential Antichrist ready to go. Well, he had Nebuchadnezzar. He had Darius. You know, he had uh, uh, also Alexander the Great. 
Now, people celebrate Alexander the Great. And in fact, our culture is built a lot on what Alexander the Great accomplished. If you want to know what American culture is made up of, it's made up of Greco and Roman ideas. Okay? Now, you have to understand that Alexander believed that he was the son of Zeus. Oh. And we know who Zeus is because I've taught you who Zeus is. Zeus is Satan. He was told by his mother, received some kind of drugs to where he had an epiphany, and he saw himself as the son of Zeus, which is basically the son of Satan. Okay? He goes down. If you know your history, how many history buffs do we have in here? None. All right. Okay. He goes down to Egypt, and he takes over Egypt as he's going against the medial Persians, and he gets to become Pharaoh. Now, Pharaoh goes through a ceremony where he becomes a god. Okay? So he goes through this ritual to become the son of Amun. If you've watched your... Okay, I can get you right here. If you've watched The Mummy, you know Amun-Ra. Amun is known as the Lord of the air or the wind, which is what, Je- what Jesus, or what the Holy Spirit called the prince of the power of the air. Amun is Zeus in Egyptian. So whether it's Zeus, whether it's Amun-Ra, whether it's Baal, or whether it's Jupiter, they're all names of Satan. So I submit to you that Alexander the Great was a, was a potential antichrist. I believe Napoleon was a potential antichrist. I believe that Hitler was a potential antichrist. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. He has to have one yeah. because he doesn't know when he's going to need because human beings die. Generation. You see what I'm saying? Okay. All right. Now notice this. So you see the timeline. The last, which is the feet, are iron, which is symbolic of the Roman Empire, but it's mixed with clay, okay? Now, there have been many interpretations over the years about it, and some will say, well, that's the clay of democracy. Well, not necessarily. That's not what the Bible teaches. I'm going to show you what the Bible teaches, and it's strange. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to tell you over here. It's strange. It's weird. Okay? So weird that the interpreter, the ones that uh, wrote the uh, translations of the Bible, had trouble translating it. Okay? Let's read it. All right? You ready to see it? Okay, verse 43. 
As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they. Everybody say they. they. Who's the they? Now, they in the original language is in the masculine. So it's not talking about people groups. What is one of the only entities that were created that was entirely masculine? Angels. Now notice what it says. They will mix with one another in marriage. And that's the reason why when Jesus said this, he said, As in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. As in the days of Noah. And he goes on and explains as they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage, okay? Now, he's talking about a commingling. And in fact, the actual language says this. They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave to one another. That's what the original language says. So that tells me at the time of the end, which is the time we are living in, that they are continuing to mix themselves. I know this is sci-fi and this is weird and I understand it, but it's in the Bible. We've got to address it. We've got to look at it. Scripture interprets Scripture. Where did that commingling happen? That commingling happened in Genesis 6. And in fact, you would you, you, Sodom and Gomorrah gets a gets a rap of, of totally being about alternative lifestyles. You know, we put that rap. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah, and we get all in our righteous indignation about it. But really, what brought down Sodom and Gomorrah was this commingling. Because when the angels came, what did the men want to do? They knew they were angels. Oh, oh, God. Come on. Anytime angels come in to disrupt the human genome, God directly judges them. I mean, you can't find Sodom and Gomorrah. He licked that thing right off of planet Earth. Why? Because they were into this. Now, if it was good back in them days, why would we think in our educated society that they've changed their... And in fact... I believe in the next, if we have 10 years, we're going to see some weird stuff. We're already seeing weird stuff. We just don't want to admit it. We just don't want to admit it. We're already seeing freaky stuff. And it's going to get even freaker. Are you guys okay? I think I need to get suckers for everybody, you know, when they leave. 
It's going away. It's going away. The cherry is taking it away. Come on. I'm telling you. Isn't it amazing that we started teaching on this stuff, you know, almost 10 years ago? And now everybody's teaching it. You want to know why everybody's teaching it? Not because, not because we're wonderful or anything like that. It's because it's the time for this stuff to be revealed. We're the Omega generation. We're the generation of the end. We've got to know this stuff, man. You've got to know what you're dealing with. You shouldn't be afraid of it. Hello. You know, I, I talked to you about alien abductions. You know, when they did Project Blue Book and, and they did their studies, the French did their studies, Jacques Vallée, and then you had Project Blue Book here, they won't tell you all about what went on. Because they want you to believe that it's people from outer space. And they're just studying our bodies. They're just studying our bodies so they can better assimilate themselves and help us with diseases. Because that's what they're going to preach. They're just helping us with diseases. They're just helping us have a better way of life. No, they're using our stuff to create what they were creating in the sixth chapter of Genesis. But any time, now this is not what they, they put it in their reports, but they don't report it to you. Any time a person was being abducted and they cried out, Jesus, the abduction stopped. So what does that tell you? Now, you've got all kinds of guys. You can get on Netflix and you can watch all these different, you know, uh, stories about, you know, aliens and stuff. It's a big, major, hot topic. Just search it for a little while. Isn't it amazing that if these are physical beings in the sense that they're able to connect with us physically like someone living on another planet, then why do we have to get in a lotus stance and begin to get transmissions from them psychically? Why can't they just get on the phone? Hey, I'm from Zeta Reticuli. I'm coming in for Thanksgiving. I just wanted you to know. We're going to park our spacecraft on your land. Don't be alarmed. No, these people get in a shaman type of voodoo where they begin to get themselves in a shamanic state by taking drugs, by getting themselves in a heightened awareness, and all of a sudden they start getting transmissions. Where do you think they're getting it from? They're not getting it from Mars. And some of the messages that they're saying, I'm going to close with this, I promise you, right Here's some of the messages that they're giving these new age gurus that are downloading. Did you know that the Nazis had what was known as the Vril Society? And the Vril Society took beautiful blonde-haired women, put them naked up in front of guys as they begin to chant 
And they would download things from the psychic realm, from demonic realm. They thought it was from aliens. And in fact, they would get information about building weapons. And if you go back to Genesis 6, and you begin to study Semyaza, Semyaza taught humans how to build weapons. He taught them how to do mortal combat. So they're downloading all this. I mean, they have pictures of concise drawings of ships and things of that nature that they were building. They were building. And some of the schematics didn't even have a language that was understood in on this earth. And yet we're doing it again. Entire communes of people sitting in fields and meditating, downloading. And here's what they're saying. This is what they're saying. Now listen, there are churches that don't believe in the rapture anymore. But the devil does. Because this is what they're saying. And this is not just one instance. This is multiplied hundreds of testimonies. They say this. There's going to come a day where millions of people are going to disappear. That's what they're saying. They are the unenlightened ones that cannot transition into the new golden age. I'm serious. I am absolutely dead serious. I'm not playing with you. They're basically saying Christians are barbaric. Christians are dumb. Christians don't know what they're talking about. They are unevolved. And because they can't transition into this new golden age, this age of enlightenment and ascendancy, we're going to take them to a place where they can get conditioned while we bring about the new millennium here on earth. That is word for word what's being said over and over and over and over again. Now you got preachers up here saying that the rapture will never happen. And you got the devil telling you it's going to happen. But he's trying to put a slant on it that will deceive the people on earth into thinking that when we do disappear, it was for their benefit and their good. They will commingle their seed in marriage. They will create hybrid beings. I'm here to tell you, if you're not saved, you need to get saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That was good. I thought that was good. Amen. Amen. They will give testimonies that Christians are the cancer on the earth. 
and that the elimination of Christians is what? That's the reason why we have it in high levels of government? That message is continuing. You're becoming public enemy number one. You know that, right? But I'm here to tell you, soon and very soon, Jesus is going to split that sky. And he's going to take us home. Amen. We have our best days are ahead. Our best days are ahead. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. And Jesus will save the day. Amen. No matter what you're going through, no matter what pressure is going to come against us, Jesus is going to save the day. Jesus is victorious. Amen. Hallelujah. Okay. Are we all right? Okay. I, I, I read Bible scriptures, did I not? Did I read Bible scriptures? Okay. Okay. I read Bible scriptures. I'm reading what the Bible says. Genesis 6 is still going on. It's time for the church to be the supernatural power in the earth. And stop playing morality police and be who Jesus was. I don't see one time where Jesus was concerned. He was concerned about getting people connected to God. And that's what we've got to be concerned about. Amen? Did Jesus argue with the Pharisees? Well, yes and no. Yes, he did do it, but he didn't spend his entire time arguing with them. And he only argued with them when they came and brought an argument. But boy, we're busy fighting one another. We're all on Facebook trying to correct each other's theology. I'll tell you what, no wonder the world doesn't fill these places up. They get that stuff at work. Amen? It's time for us to rise up. I said it's time for us to rise up. It's time to rise up. Amen? Hallelujah. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, or you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, just like we had two sisters that decided to be baptized in water, even after they were already baptized. I was baptized twice. The reason why is because I came into a realization of what that was. I understood it, and I wanted to fully, fully experience that. There's nothing wrong with that. Maybe you're not fully experiencing everything that the Lord has for you, and you just need to step forward, step across that line, and say, just like Rebecca said, I'm His. I'm His 100%. He can use me as I want. I, I suggest you do it. These are the days and the hours in which you need to be doing that. If you're here and you're not endued with power from on high, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, listen, God's equipped you. It's not something that you need to get saved. It's something that empowers you for this life to be able to do the works of Jesus, opens the door to the gifts of the Spirit in your life. We can wrestle with it all we want to. I was a Baptist. I wrestled with it for years. I wrestled with it. But you know what? When I began to take in the truth of the Scripture and realize it, praise God, it's been the most powerful asset in my life is to be able to pray in the Holy Ghost. Amen? 
Praise God. We'll pray with you. We'll make sure you leave out here totally filled and blessed. Amen? Amen. If you need healing in your body, or you need deliverance in your life, or you need prayer over your marriage, over your children, over your business, we'll have ministers that will be right here. Also, I would encourage you to come to the altars. Learn to use the altars. I'm telling you, we're coming into a time where you're going to have to learn to get alone with God and connect with Him. And so I encourage you to do these things. We have communion up here as well. And we got prayer cloths. If you have a need with someone in the hospital or someone out of state and you want us to pray over a prayer cloth, we'll do that. We need to be a supernatural house. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>